Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. This morning is back to school Sunday. Uh, most of our children and those in this region are going back after um, Labor Day. Maybe some have gone back already, I'm not sure, but we're dedicating this day to back to school Sunday. Uh, and we're going to talk about the armor of God. And I want to begin by talking about the war that is real and that our weapons that are greater. Okay, so the war that is real and that our weapons that are greater. So our children are under attack, and I, I think we all know that and can see that. This is not an overstatement or an exaggeration. They are facing many, many challenges and battles, and we have a part to play in that, in helping them. So I want to talk about some of these realities that our children are facing. When I talk about the war, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Now we can look at things in a, in a couple different ways, and I'll just use this example of the Russian and Ukraine war is a war on earth that we can feel the effects of it as well economically and other, other things, okay? So the war is taking place on earth and it has effects on our life. But there's another war that's taking place in the spiritual realms that, that we can't see that also has impact on our lives. So one war we can see and one war we can't, but both have an impact on our lives. One, the impact won't last forever. Whatever happens in Russia and Ukraine, that won't last forever and the impact in our life won't last forever. But the spiritual warfare that we're taking place will affect our eternity anyhow and our children's eternity. So this is a very important message. I do a lot of reading, whether it's books or uh, websites or just constantly reading, researching, just grabbing anything. If you've ever um, had to preach on a regular basis, you know what that's like. I just look for every opportunity, every illustration that I could possibly find and use. Uh, but I won't use all of them today. Kenny's not getting what I'm saying here. Uh, just listen, okay. I'll tell you that story about Kenny another time. But I found some interesting things in Vibrant Christianity, uh, or VibrantChristianLiving.com. And there's five ways that our children are under attack. Five ways that our children are under attack. Number one is self-worth. Self-worth. And here's how the enemy attacks and spiritually attacks our children. He teaches our kids to base their self-worth on their outside appearance on their accomplishments and on their possessions, their outside appearance. And, you know, it's, I can't imagine growing up all over again. Uh, if you know me well, you know I haven't grown up in a lot of ways, but I mean going through school and all of the pressures and, and things and, and, and just going through all of that. Again, I'm thankful for praying parents, really. Uh, in, in, in all that we face then and how important it is now. But the enemy tells our children that your self-worth and your importance is based on external things. And that's a complete lie. Because your importance is based on the fact that our children are created in God's image and God loves them no matter how they look. You see how the enemy does that? He teaches them that life is all about them and their pleasure. And that they need to ignore the voice of conviction that tells them there's a difference between right and wrong. 
The enemy is very subtle in how he attacks our children and their own self-image. He reminds them of their faults and failures and is quick to condemn them in their mistakes. Now, let me teach you something here very quickly. Is The Holy Spirit convicts, the devil condemns. For those that are in Christ, according to Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation. For those that are in Christ. There is no condemnation. That voice of condemnation that you might experience in your own life is the voice from below and not from above. The Holy Spirit does convict us to help guide us in the right paths of God, but He doesn't condemn us. See, when we accept Christ, Jesus received all of God's condemnation so that we will never be condemned. All right. Their self-worth uh, is attacked based on outward appearance. They're being attacked based on body image and sexuality. This is something that has always existed, but it's becoming more and more prevalent in our society today. They say, and I don't, I don't have these statistics, but there's in the neighborhood now of 47 different gender identities. Okay, I don't even know. I don't even understand it all. Um, but... Growing up is hard enough without all of that confusion. And we know, you know, based on the word of God, that there is male and there is female. Now, I want to preface all of this as saying, listen, I believe people struggle with these things. And we are not to bully them. And we are not to condemn them either. Okay? Uh, but also, we are to teach the truth. And that's what your children are receiving here at Hope Assembly of God Kelly, Justin, all of the teachers, all that help down there, they're teaching them the Word of God in a way they can understand it, to get the Word of God into their hearts and into their lives. And that includes we are created in God's image, male and female. He tells, the, the, the enemy tells our children they're not uniquely made, but they're a result of random combination of genes that's taken millions of years to create. We would call that atheistic evolution that we are not created by a loving God in His image. We are just here by chance. And I don't have enough faith to believe that we're here by chance. I don't have enough faith to believe that everything in the universe, in the macroverse, in the, the microverse, were just happened by chance. I just can't grasp that. In a simple way, I can't grasp the fact that planet Earth in our just our solar system is the only one equipped for humans to live and that we're just far enough away from the sun that we don't burn and we're not so far away that we freeze. That God created the largest planet to be further out where the asteroids live so that Jupiter gets attacked with the asteroids so they never make it to Earth. Do you see that? And that's just our little solar system. If you've, been, if you've been keeping an eye on that latest telescope that's out there, mind-boggling. And to think that all of that happened by chance, I don't have enough faith for that, for that. I don't have enough faith to believe that my body, as complex as all of these things are, just happened by chance. I just don't believe it. I believe that God created us, a loving God created us in His image, and that is truth. But, the, but our children are being attacked by, by lies. He convinces our kid, let me, oh boy, oh, we got plenty of time. He can, I particularly have a disdain for secular universities that take our children, uh, 18, 19, impressionable, and then try to destroy them and their faith uh, because they're not equipped 
yet to be able to debate those with higher learning degrees. And they intentionally bring them into these classes and try to destroy their faith. Be careful. Pastor Rick is preaching next week on Psalm chapter 1. Read it. Okay? I'm not telling anybody to do anything. Okay? I'm just telling you what we did as a family. We wanted our children, when they went to college, to go to a, a Christian college where they would be taught the same values that we hold to. And I will give all of the money that we've spent and will spend over the next, <laughs> till I die. What I'm passing on to my children is their school debt. That's what I'm <laughs> passing on to them. But I would do it all over again and give up everything. Everything that I own and have in order for them to still be serving the Lord of which they both graduated and are. I would give anything for that. Because we didn't send them to... Now, listen, at their, their university, there were 15,000 students. Does that mean all of them were holy and godly? No, of course not. But at least they had the opportunity to hear truth. I've, I've sat in classes where they would begin their, their time in prayer. And the, the, the professors are available to pray with them and for them. That's what we want to put our kids in that. Now, they went through public school, okay, as they were, and again, that was our choice and everything, but Dory was hugely involved in their lives. And what we did is we brought them to church week in and week out, see? So just be careful. Don't, don't let your children sit in the seat of scoffers. I'm not going to preach Pastor Rick's message, although I might you got a whole week to prepare another one. <laughs> anyway, Psalm chapter 1. Am I right you're preaching on that next week? I think so. Yeah, no, I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'll leave the rest up to you. But, another, but it's going to fit right along. Another good word uh, for that. He convinces our kids that they're mere animals with physical desires that deserve to be met and that sexual pleasure is just one of those desires that should be fulfilled without any emotional attachment. We know that's a lie. God created us, okay, with these desires to, to procreate, be fruitful and multiply, man and woman be married. Watch this simple plan that would change everything. Don't have sex until you're married. Marry a godly person. Wait a few years. Have children. That's the plan. Bring those children to church, teach them the love of God, love them unconditionally so that they can accept the love of the Father. That's pretty much the plan. And if you want to go deeper into the problems we face as a society, there it is. Most of our, I heard this quote yesterday, most of our problems and pains are a direct result of our pants. And we need to be careful what we teach our children. And they're being inundated and bombarded with things that are outside the plan of God. Now, I'm not condemning anybody that's made mistakes because I don't stand here perfect myself. But what I'm saying, let's, let's give our children plan A. At least that they know God has a good plan for them because he's a good God. And you'll save yourself a lot of problems. He convinces some that perhaps God made a mistake in giving them the wrong gender leading to all kinds of deep identity issues about what it means to be male and female. This is very real that our children are facing, and we need to be praying and interceding. There is a movement that wants to indoctrinate our children in lies, and I think it's part of that principalities and evils that Ephesians talks about. 
and we need to be praying and interceding for them. We need to be thanking God for Christian uh, administrators and people in educational realms that are like Nehemiah's in the middle of Babylon, that God is placed in positions that will face persecution, but they're doing the work of the Lord and saving many children. We need to pray for them as well. He uses television and media to oh so subtly promote certain body shapes and ideal over others. He convinces them that every measure must be taken to achieve these ideal body images, including those that lead to eating disorders and drug abuse. I'm comfortable in who I am and in my body, and I know what my future holds. I'm going to have very short legs, a big belly, and as the years go on, I'm going to shrink and shrink and shrink. By the time I'm in my 80s, I'm going to be this tall. My belly's going to be this big. My pants are going to be this high. And my tie is going to be this long. But I'm comfortable in that. And I'm okay with that. Because you either die skinny or you die happy. And that's the way it works. But God help our children. God help our children that face these battles on a daily basis. They're inundated at school. They're inundated uh, in, on, through the media and everything they watch and see. I don't know if I'll get to it. I probably will. But please be careful what your children watch. Please. I can't even tell you. And not just the worst of the filth. Not just the worst of the filth. But even just the filth that's on, like, rated M stuff. I like to watch TV programs with no commercials. We don't watch a lot of TV shows. We watch a lot of game shows and cooking shows to the glory of God. But anyway, and I'm 56 years old, and I can filter through all of the garbage. I just don't want it in my mind. And it's not about my salvation necessarily if I watch something. It's about my, my wicked heart. And it's about my mind. I'm 56 years old, been in the ministry a long, long time. And I don't even want to watch some of this stuff. I just want to watch something on Netflix that I don't have to watch commercials, but I also don't have to be assaulted. And so I, I, I just Google, parental guide for whatever show. Really? Be careful. Be careful, okay? You have to, it's your responsibility to guard your children. Protect them from this stuff that's out there. All right. Uh, four. Purposes and calling. He distracts and confuses our children, telling them to use emotion to guide their decision-making. If you listen to young people talk, they'll say, well, I feel like we moved from I think to I feel. See? And when you make emotional decisions, those are usually the wrong decisions. Okay? Either you control your emotions or your emotions control you. And we can look at our own lives, and you don't have to give testimony to this unless I call on you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but of decisions that you made that you regret that were based on emotion. Okay? But that's what the enemy is teaching them. Make your decisions based on emotion, not by what God wants you to do. He doesn't want our children to understand that they're uniquely created that God has a good plan for them because he's a good God. He encourages our children towards laziness 
and to be content with self-seeking pleasure and the easy way out. Can I tell your parents and grandparents especially, <laughs> although I'm going to spoil my grandchildren someday, something fierce. Um, as soon as I get my kids' college loans paid off. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> um, don't make your child's life so easy that they never have to work for anything. You're not helping them. You're condemning them because their boss ain't going to care. And they're only going to go so far in the real world if you make it too easy on them because you've lived long enough to know that life ain't easy. It's okay for them to clean their rooms before they get their allowance. It's okay to do what they're told. It's okay to have consequences to their, to their decisions. Don't make their life so easy. Some people will say, well, I don't want them to go through what I went through. Okay, that's good if you were in a, a completely dysfunctional, addictive, abandoned situation. But don't downplay the fact that you are who you are today because of some of the difficulties that you faced. And God helped you through it. And so you know that God's a good God because you've been through some stuff. Don't wish bad things. I hope you get the balance to that. But don't make your, life, your kids' lives so easy. You're not helping them. Their friend, they're not going to have friends because they're not going to like them. And the adults aren't going to like them either because they're not going to want them around. Sorry. It's a fact. Teach your kids to behave and obey. It's a weird concept, isn't it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Do you, do you know where our passage is from? The armor of God? Ephesians what? Six. Where does it say, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right? Well, that would also be Ephesians 6. Weird concept. Through mindless pursuits, the enemy keeps our kids numb to a better life. It's okay for your kids to get off the phone for a few minutes. And not talking on the phone. I don't even know if kids talk on the phone, but they're on their phone. It's okay to say, you know what? This is a, a phone-free zone. We started doing that. Dora and I are adults. I'm 56 years old. She's 29. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Um, we, we don't bring our phones to the table when we're eating. And we could do it too. And we're old enough to make our own decisions. Even we just limit ourselves because it's just not healthy. It's okay. And your children will be mad. Oh, they're going to be so mad at me. And your point is what? I can't get my kids to, to you know. Well, you take their phone. You find the biggest vehicle you have. And you run over their phone with your car. It's not that difficult. And if you don't have a big truck, we have some people that have big trucks. <laughs> And you don't have to pay them to do it. In fact, some of them will be so filled with joy, they will pay you, please, here's 20 bucks, let me run your kid's phone over with my truck. I will take your video games and I will burn them. If I catch you watching this again, I will take, I don't know if kids have TV in their rooms because they have everything on their phone, I will take it and I will burn it. You sass your mother again, and you ain't going to win that one. Because you'll be gone and grown. Your mother will still be here. These are not difficult concepts. 
I told this story before, but some of you are new and some of you work with Pastor Rowe, if I understand this correctly. I said, Pastor Rowe, did you ever slam the door at your house when you were growing up? She said, yes, I did. I said, what'd your dad do? Took the hinges off my door and took my door away. Because <laughs> he, he understood a door from my bedroom is a privilege. It's not a right. Pastor Rowe, did you ever slam your door again? I know. No. And thank God for it. Thank God. I didn't get to thank your parents enough for you, Pastor Rowe. Seriously. They were here last week sitting and watching. And I know very proud. Very proud. And they're very proud of Mel, too, the sister. I wasn't leaving you out. They're very proud of you. Bobby, they're working on it. <laughs> Money and possessions. Like even the garden, he teases and tempts our children with good-looking fruit that he promises will solve all of their problems. But we know they won't. Because we've tried that, haven't we? Haven't we tried to buy things to make us happy? And then we realize that we're still not happy. Haven't some of us gotten to the point we have everything we thought we ever wanted and we're still not happy? Because money and possessions will never do it. I learned something a couple weeks ago that I never knew, and then I'm going to be done with this part. You can buy bags that you, like, women would carry, like a bag, a purse type of a thing, and some of them cost thousands of dollars. I never knew that. There's something called Louis, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. I, I didn't know this world existed. And listen, if you give to the work of the Lord and you can afford Louis, Louis Vuitton, knock yourself out. But if you have a Louis Vuitton bag and you don't give to the work of the Lord, it's stolen and you're a thief. I'm just telling you. That's the, what the Bible says in Malachi. If you can afford it, you bless others and your family is well provided for and you're giving to the work of the Lord that others could hear the gospel, then God bless you, have one for each arm. My larger point being, you, things aren't going to make your children spend more time with them than money on them. Spend more time with them than money on them and it will reap a great reward. The enemy wants them to think that life is about possessions and things and that's such an unfulfilling life because you're never satisfied because you always need more. We must, the enemy is working against our children in these areas. Let me review them real quickly. This is the war, self-worth, body image, influences, purpose, money, and callings. Christians are not living on a cruise ship but on a battleship. So now we want to talk about the weapons. Okay, next slide. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You got to get that. He's not asking you to fight this battle on your own. He's asking you to fight this battle through his strength and his strength never runs out. When you go to God and pray, you're going to almighty God that's not intimidated by the philosophies, by the principalities, by the evil that's all around us. In God's presence, watch this, I'll just give you a little bit of revelation here. 
In God's presence in Revelation chapter 4, there's a sea, and it's like glass. And what that means is the sea in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible represented the nations, the kingdoms that were in constant upheaval, and the seas were never calm. But in the presence of God, there's complete calm. See, when we come into that presence, we can know that God is able and willing to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine for our children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, adult children, anyone that you're concerned about. Be strong in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies or schemes of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. You're not fighting against the teacher. You're fighting against principalities. You're not fighting against the principal. You're fighting against... I don't think you should fight with teachers and principals. I'm just saying... Be careful who you make the bad guy. I know a lot of educators, and they honestly are doing the very best they can in the worst of circumstances, under the worst of budgets you could possibly imagine. We have, oh boy, I shouldn't get into this, but I'm going to. Because I'm going to die the same way anyhow, this big, a little tie. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we can't figure out a way to keep the doors locked at our schools. We can't hire resource officers, former veterans or police officers that are retired for all of our schools in our nation. We can't figure something else out. I think that's where we need to be praying against principalities that are trying to destroy our children. There's got to be some answers. We, we, people, we, 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 we've explored space we can figure out to get the doors locked. We can figure out how to pay our teachers more money. And I'll tell you why. Our young people that aren't going into education are coming out of college making more money than teachers that have been teaching for years. And when I see a teacher having to work a second and third job, this is a trained professional. Trained professional that has worked hard to become a teacher. They've had to go through all of this process, and they call them gateways, just to make it out of college. Then they have to pass all of these t praxis tests that they pay for on their own, and they're working at, a, at pumping gas because they can't live? This doesn't make sense to me. And whatever you're hearing on Fox News about education, and oh boy. Here's what you ought to do. Talk to a real educator instead of some pundit that's making money off of ratings. Okay? And I'm not saying that because we have a bunch of teachers here. That's just the way it is. You get what you pay for. You invest in your children, it makes a difference. All right, that's enough on that. All right, okay. All right, I'm just going to go through and just give you the, 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 the things here. Some of you are visiting, and I make no apologies for how I preach. This is how it is. It's like this every week. 
What you, sh what you should be thinking is, I can't imagine all these people come week in and week out. That's what you should be thinking. So read 13 through 18 on your own. I'll give you an overview. Stay alert and persistent in all of your prayers. Number one, we need this. We need to pray this for our children, the belt of truth. Here's a common saying. Well, that's my truth. There is no my truth. There is the truth. It's like that dumb statement. Uh, 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 wait, I got it written down. Perception is reality. No, reality is reality. I could perceive that this platform wouldn't hold me and I'd never get up here and preach. I could perceive that. Right? And the word of God will never be preached. Because I perceive that no one's listening. I perceive that it's not going to make a difference. No. Reality is reality and truth is truth. Not my perception. Not my truth. There is truth. There's truth. And no one distorts truth better than the father of lies. Right? But we have a truth. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And his word is true because it's breathed, inspired by God himself. And I can give you a hundred proofs that I don't have time for today because we have guests and visitors. That was just a joke. I would keep going anyhow. God's reality. God's truth. Here's the truth. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is truth. Let me go back to my financing of education while I'm thinking about it. I'm not a fan of raising taxes to do it. I'm a fan of being wise in where the money is spent because trillions of dollars or billions at least, are wasted on things that don't matter. I'm not saying that we should raise everybody's property taxes. In New Jersey, the Lord knows that New Jersey pays enough in property taxes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's got to be some solution to figure things out. There's got to be some reason that they, oh, they go into office, maybe a millionaire, and they come out a multimillionaire making $250,000 a year. I'm just throwing this out. Just throwing this out. All right, truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Watch this. This is important. We've received his righteousness. And what that means is rightness. Jesus lived the right, perfect, righteous life. And he died in our place. So we would call it the great exchange. We exchanged our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Please understand Christianity is not fair. It's merciful and gracious. Please understand you don't want God to be fair with you. You want him to be merciful and gracious. So here was Jesus that lived the perfect life, died the worst death, the perfect death. He gives us his rightness when we receive him and we give him our sin and shame. And so we are righteous because of what Jesus has done. And now we live in the right way because he's made us righteous. Okay? You have to watch this. This is huge. 
We don't live in the right way to receive Christ's righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags. We live in the right way because we've already received His rightness. That makes all the difference. Why do I live for Jesus? Because Jesus died for me. That's why. Why do I worship Jesus? Because He died and didn't have to. He's worthy to be praised. That's why. So this righteousness that we have protects our heart. When the enemy says, well, look at these sins and look at these sins, and we can just say with confidence, yeah, but look at my Savior. Look at the blood of Jesus. And he has no weapon against the blood of Jesus. He has no weapon against, yeah, I do have sin, but look at my Savior. That's... The breastplate of righteousness. And then righteous, the breastplate of righteousness, I would say, also includes living the right way. Making the right choices. Making the right decisions. Some of which I told you already. Number three, the shoes of the gospel. Our goal is not goods and services. Our goal is the gospel. And I can tell you as your pastor that loves you deeply and has committed this portion of my life to serve here at Hope Assembly of God and, and nowhere else. I can tell you this, that we need to continue to be as a church about the gospel and not our comfort. We have all of these ministries and we've planned our budget out to pour into the next generation because it's about the gospel, not about your comfort. And as soon as church becomes about your comfort, not the gospel, we should wrap it up. But thankfully, we are about the gospel. We support our children. I had a grandparent come to me and say, thank you so much for what you do for children. I had parents come to me and say, thank you so much for what you do. And it's not me, it's you. I could have the best ideas in the world, but if you don't get behind it, it's not going to happen. Billy Graham could be the pastor. He's gone now. But if he was still alive and be the pastor, if the people aren't in support of the pastor, it won't matter. You've always supported me and my family, and we are together as the body of Christ making a difference for generations to come. And if we ain't doing that, then what in the world are we doing? Honestly, you can't come here and hear this preaching and live for comfort, because I know some of the things I say make you uncomfortable. That's okay. It's okay. I know you have the gospel at the forefront of your life. And I thank you for that. And generations will thank you for that. And someday eternity will thank you for that. That's the shoes of the gospel. The gospel of peace. The peace that we have through Christ. The peace with God and the peace of God. And now we need to teach our children to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll brag on Chi Alpha Ministries that work within... Uh, I'll specifically say Rowan because that's our local regional university. Carl and Christina, Christine, are doing an amazing job. They are raising up other leaders, of which Ian was one of them. And they're impacting generations, and we support them on a monthly basis. Joe and Heidi Brow work with churches to partner with universities 
through prayer and through many other different ways and we support that and we support them on a monthly basis because we know that our children and grandchildren need that and we're a part of that. All right. The gospel is the goal and our children, okay, that's what I was going to say. Teach your children to live for the gospel and to be able to share the gospel. Well, my child's too young. No, they're not. No. Some of our young children know more scripture than I do. They might not get all the words right. Instead of impossible, they might say popsicle. <laughs> for nothing is popsicle with God. That was one of the great moments of, of ministry for me. <laughs> I'm almost done. But if you don't know how to share the gospel... How are our children going to know how to share the gospel? If you don't know the word, how are our children going to know the word? All right, shield of faith. I believe and I behave. It's two aspects of faith. I believe the right things, but I behave in the right way. That's the shield of faith. Faith, I believe I am saved. I know that I'm saved. And I know that I will be saved into the future for eternity. And the way I behave shows the way I believe. Okay? And here's how I behave. I will worship Jesus first and foremost. And we pray that for our children. Lord, that Jesus would be first. That Jesus would be first. That Jesus would be first. And you know where children learn that. I will serve Jesus with my gifting and calling and profession. I'm not talking about vocational ministry. I'm talking about we need teachers that love Jesus. We need administrators that love Jesus. We need, we need school board people that love Jesus more than they love Fox News. We need people that want to serve Jesus in every aspect of their lives. Number five, the helmet of salvation. My mind is protected because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Joyce Myers wrote a great book, The Battlefield of the Mind. How many have read that? Worth reading. Worth reading. Battle, this is where it takes place. And the enemy attacks us here. You're not good. Here's the answer. You're right, but Jesus is good, and he loves me. You've made mistakes. You're right, but I have a Savior that died in my place. You're not going to make it. I don't believe that because God has a good plan for my life, and he's a good God. It's a battlefield. Battlefield, helmet of salvation. I am saved. I am set free. I am delivered. I am who God says I am, not who the enemy says I am, and not who my parents said I was or my grandparents or somebody else along the line. First Thessalonians 5.8, But let us who live in, in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. That'll protect your mind. And then what, not what you believe and what you focus on, Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about good things. Number six, sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. I will live according to the Word and not the world. That's a conscious choice you have to make. 
I'm going to follow God and not the ways of this world. The whole Bible, and I've, certainly the book of Revelation, is summed up very simply. People freak out over the book of Revelation. First of all, it's not Revelations. I'll help you with that. It's Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's what it means. It's very simple. You're going to have to choose who you're going to worship. You either worship the Antichrist in this world, or you worship the Christ looking forward to the next world. That's it. Sword of the Spirit, Word of God, I'll live according to the Word. Jesus said this, the world will hate you. And they hate you because they hated me. So let's not be surprised when we stand for Jesus. Number seven, pray in the Spirit. The Spirit helps us pray. And I'll give you this example. You can pray like this, God bless Johnny. Or you can say this, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what Johnny is facing in his life. And the Holy Spirit just speaks a word, struggling with his self-image. Here's how you pray for Johnny. Lord God, I bring Johnny before you. I pray, Lord, that he would understand that you created him uniquely and specially. That no one was whispering in your ear when you created Johnny because you have a great purpose and a plan for his life. And I pray that nothing would interfere with that purpose from taking place. I pray that Johnny would be encountered and surrounded by good friends and positive influences that would help him to be encouraged and blessed and strengthened and grow. That's praying in the Spirit. That's how you do it. You just ask the Spirit to reveal to you what you need to pray for for Johnny, Sally, whoever it is you're praying for, your spouse. That's praying in the Spirit. And then he often prays through us with words that we can't understand. That's a whole other level of spiritual warfare that we'll have to address at another time. But be praying. All right. I'm getting a little tired. I'm going to be done. The war is real, but the weapons are greater. The war is real, but the weapons are greater. And all God's people said, Amen. look at this scripture. Ray, who's ever going to get Kelly? Roe, are you getting Kelly? You can tell her to start wrapping it up. We're going to have the kids come forward, pray for them. As they're coming forward, listen to me. Don't watch, don't watch up there. They'll be fine. They know where they're going. Look at me. This is also from the message in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. You know that's true. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. See, the tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life that's shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience that leads to spiritual maturity. The war is real, but our weapons are greater. And again, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.